Curtis. I love Thanksgiving. I like to preach at Thanksgiving. I like to preach at Christmas. I like to preach at Easter. I mean, not that I don't like to preach the rest of the time, but <laughs> but um, I don't know. Um, that uh, I think it was during the offertory. You played "Morning is Morning Has Broken." You know, for a long time I didn't realize that that was a religious song because. When I was in college, a guy named Cat Stevens sang it, and it was real popular on the radio. Some of you may have remember, remember that, yeah. And uh, it wasn't until years later that I realized that where he got that from. So thanks. That w- it was uh, wonderful to hear that this morning. Um, I am so glad for the Thanksgiving holiday. I have tremendous memories around it. Um, and we were in college, Julie and I, um, homecoming for NNC in those days was at Thanksgiving time. And all these people would come into campus, and it was a great, great, I met, I met my wife. Uh, uh, I was her, um, I, she was the uh, freshman princess that, the, my senior year in college, she was the freshman princess at homecoming, and I was chosen uh, to be her escort at the homecoming festivities. That was scary. It was scary. Um, have you seen the, the Walmart commercial that shows different friends and family and soldiers praying around the Thanksgiving table? And uh, if you haven't, I hope you do. That is tremendously encouraging to me to see that on broadcast television. Um, and we need to see that. We need those reminders, and I, for one, am grateful that a large corporation has not forgotten that gratitude is an appropriate and necessary virtue. And we see people praying together in gratitude in that advertisement on television. <clears throat> in, Second Tim- uh, in Second Timothy Chapter 3, the Apostle Paul cites a rather unseemly list of evils that will be evident in the last days. And you can look that up if you like. I'm not going to read through all those this morning. Many of us believe that we are living in those days. And one of the reasons for that belief is the fact that all those negative behaviors that Paul mentions are being expressed in our culture right now. That was uplifting, wasn't it? And the reason I mention this is because one of the items that Paul lists is ungrateful. In the last days, people will be ungrateful. And and some of the reasons we see that attitude displayed are the following. Number one, an entitlement attitude. The world owes me something whether I work for it or not. Or if you don't, if you have it, I should too. The second reason that we see an ungrateful attitude is because people don't understand that God owns everything and He trusts some with more than others. So we're praying, God trusts me with more. (laughs) Number three, we live in a culture that encourages envy. What I have is not enough. 
because there's always something newer or bigger or better out there, and I've got, we've got to keep up with the Joneses, as they say. And number four is, I deserve better than this. Hey, I'm an American, or I'm a Christian, or I'm a Republican, or I'm a Democrat. I deserve better than this. Right? Isn't that the attitude? God, how could you treat me this way? Or God, how could you possibly allow this to happen? I deserve better than this. And if we harbor any of those attitudes, it can cause us to be ungrateful. I want to do a little side note this morning. This is for free. Because I've been a little, a, a little troubled by what I've seen in the news um, regarding the reaction across our country uh, around the recent election. And when I said, you know, I deserve better than this because I'm a Christian or I'm an American or I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat, I, I mentioned that for a reason. We're seeing a lot of negative reaction. Some protests, some riots, some destructive behavior. Um, even a bill introduced to do away with the Electoral, co electoral College. Um, now, if you're a Christian, oh, excuse me, if you're not a Christian or do not have a no and or do not have a knowledge of Scripture, these reactions are perfectly understandable. But if you are a Christian and you do understand Scripture, then you know, or you should know, that God is sovereign and He is in control of the affairs of men. And so a couple of reminders from Scripture. Romans chapter 13, verse 1, which says, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Daniel chapter 2, verse 21, speaking of God, He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises others up. Just a gentle reminder. We used to... Um, have these cassette tapes. You know what those are, don't you? Remember what those are? <laughs> like if you have those, you have trouble finding something that'll play them now, unless you've held on to some ancient piece of machinery. You know. Um, we had these uh, cassette tapes by Evie Tornquist. Do you remember Evie? Um, and, uh, she was uh, from Scandinavia, Sweden. I think she was Swedish. And um, she used to, we had a, a children's tape done by her, and one was a song called Why Complain, and it was, a, it was for children. And so there were things, you know, why complain about the scolding that you took and, you know, the lunch you had to eat, the, you know, some things like that. But, but here's, here's, the, here's the, the, the chorus that applies to everybody. I don't care how young or old you are. And it said this, just be thankful for the good things that you've got. Oh, be thankful for the good things that you've got. The good things that you've got are for many just a dream. So be thankful for the good things that you've got. 
And we even find those kinds of thoughts in Scripture. Colossians 3.15 Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as, as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Colossians 4.2 Devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 Give thanks in all circumstances. I don't care how you think life is treating you right now. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you and me in Christ Jesus. We are called to be thankful. We are called to be thanksgivers. And the way I read these scriptures that I just shared with you, thanksgiving should be something that characterizes our lives, whether we have little or much, life is smooth going or difficult, our candidate won or not, or it's sunshine or rain. Let me hear someone say that's amen, right on, that's right, pastor, you hit the nail on the head. That might take a little long to say, but... So, and we haven't even gotten to Psalm 100 yet. That was just my brief introduction. So let's move on to the text. And I want to read it again, because it's been a while since we heard Dean do it. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us and we are His. I remember in the King James Version it says, He made us and not we ourselves. We are not our own creators. There is no such thing really as a self-made man or woman. God made us. And we are His. We are His people the sheep of his pasture. So enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever and ever and ever and ever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Who does this psalm address? Let me give you a clue. It's in verse 1. What? All the earth. All the earth. I can't think of anyone then that that doesn't apply to. Because we're all on the earth, right? So richest gazillionaire to the poorest homeless person, red, yellow, black, white, Christ follower, non-believer, it's universal. It's all-inclusive. It spans all ages. It's to all generations. Those that preceded us, us, and those who follow us. We are to understand that God wants people all across time to hear and apply this message. All the earth. Of whom does this psalm speak? Shout for joy to... And you'll see his name mentioned again, and literally his name, if you look at the original language, and we'll touch on that again in a moment. 
in verses 1, 2, 3, and 5 of this rather short psalm. If you were to read in the original language, which in this case would be Hebrew, you would see that the word translated Lord here is God's name, Yahweh. God's proper name. The one that he told his people, I will be called by. To the ancient Jew who would not utter the name of God, then this would say Jehovah. And you cannot appreciate the message of this psalm unless you know the one of whom it speaks. Charles Swindoll says, being thankful, really thankful, begins with being rightly related to the giver of everything, the Lord. And we have some instructions in this psalm. And the first one is this, shout for joy. Or, in some translations, make a joyful noise. You might find this interesting or even alarming but the word for shout or noise literally means to mar. You know what to mar something is? To kind of scratch it up or break it or... Figuratively then, what it's saying here is to make a sound that is ear-splitting or raise a shout or give a blast. Oh no, not that. So what is a joyful noise? It can be the sound of musical instruments. It can be singing. It can be verbal exclamations such as Amen, Praise God, Hallelujah, or Whoop Glory. Right? I think we've all had the realization at some point that God has done something in our lives about which we cannot keep quiet. A prayer answered, a friend or loved one saved, a problem solved, a need met. And we just have to, we've got to tell somebody, we've, we've got to praise God, we've got to blast it or shout it out, we've got to split somebody's ear. English missionary Roland Allen wrote about a veteran missionary who came to him one day after, he had, after Roland Allen had delivered a sermon. The missionary introduced himself and said, I was a medical missionary for many years in India, and I served in a region where there was progressive blindness. People were born with healthy vision, but there was something in that area that caused people to lose their sight as they grew older. But this missionary had developed a treatment which would stop that progressive blindness. So people came to him and he performed his treatment and they would re leave realizing that they would have become completely blind, but because of him, their sight had been saved. He said, they never said thank you because that phrase was not in their dialect. They spoke a word that meant I will tell your name, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. Wherever they went, they would tell the name of the missionary who had cured their blindness. They had received something so wonderful that they eagerly proclaimed the name of the one who provided it. And that's what this song is all, psalm is all about. 
And that's what the psalmist is saying here. Suddenly you realize that God has been so good to you that you can't keep it inside anymore. So from the depths of your being, you express your joy and gladness and praise and thanksgiving unto the Lord. The next instruction we have here is worship, or again in some translations, serve the Lord with gladness. The fact that these words are used interchangeably here, depending on the translation you read, says to me that to serve God is to worship God. To serve God is to worship God. Now, I believed that for a long time. And it's nice to see that the Scripture believes that too. See, a, a healthy sign of a grateful life is serving Grateful people give back, and one of the ways that they do that is through service. And if you're serving gratefully, then you're serving gladly, which most often exhibits itself in service and giving to others, whether inside the church or out. Worship, serve the Lord with gladness, not grudgingly, not because, oh, nobody else will do it. I guess I will. And the next instruction, come before Him with joyful singing. Now, we know that song is an important aspect of our worship and that when some of us sing, it is like noise more than music. But that's okay. Okay. The Apostle Paul writes in Colossians 3.16, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. I, I love that. The reason you're doing it is because you've got gratitude in your heart. And not all of us are good at carrying a tune, and not all of us have great voices, but that's okay. And this last line in, 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 from Colossians 3.16, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. I think that someone who sings with gratitude is probably singing joyfully. In fact, I think that's the key idea in this verse. Whether we sing and it's musical or we sing and it's noise. The important thing is that we do it joyfully. I didn't hear any amens that time. Well, I don't know about the noise part. The next instruction. Know that He is God. Know that the Lord, that's, if you look in, it's capital L-O-R-D. God's, it's because it's God's name, Yahweh. Know that the Lord, the one who calls himself Yahweh, is God, Elohim. There is only one capital G God. One. And he is the creator of all things, including us. He made us. 
It says we are His. We are not our own creations. In fact, in Psalm 139, verse, 4, verse 13, it says, For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. God made you the way He wanted you to be, and He made me the way He wanted me to be. And He's still making us. Now, I'm not talking about this, although some of us are adding to us still, but... He's still making us. God is not content to leave us unfinished. He's, he continues to work on those areas of our lives that need completion. Remember the song, He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. You don't remember that song? <laughs> People are kind of looking at me like, I've never heard that before. <laughs> well, let me say it a different way, the way Paul said it. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And it goes on to say, we're the sheep of his pasture. Now, if you know much about sheep, you know that being called one isn't necessarily a compliment. I remember, one, I grew up in a big Nazarene, it was college church, right across the street from the campus of Northwest Nazarene College. And so I had these three or four pastors who went on to be general superintendents, you know. That's and one of those was Jim Bond. I remember Jim Bond telling the story. His wife, Sally, is from Texas, and apparently her father raised sheep, and they were there visiting her family one time, and, and so... Jim Bond without, went out with his father-in-law to check on the sheep. And I don't know that, how this happened, but he said there was a 50, you know, one of the big 55-gallon drums. That had, the top had been cut out, and it was tipped on its side. And they found a sheep who'd walked into that drum and nearly starved because it wasn't smart enough to back out. <laughs> sheep need lots of help. And, of course, you know, uh, in the day of the psalmist and even in Jesus' day, people, people got sheep and they understood shepherds and the need for them. The point is, we're his sheep, which means that he is the shepherd. And sheep need a lot, sheep need a shepherd because without one, sheep get lost. They get into dangerous predicaments. They're vulnerable to predators. And they don't know where to find pasture and water on their own. So we need a shepherd. Remember the psalmist says, He leads us into green pastures and besides still waters. Because sheep need someone to help them do that. We are the sheep of this pasture. And then it says, We are to enter His presence with thanksgiving and praise. The psalm says, we enter his gates and his courts. In all likelihood, it's, it's speaking of that place of public worship. Uh, for the Jewish people, it would have been the tabernacle or the temple. That's what would have come to their minds. For most of us, it's the church sanctuary. That's most often 
our place of public worship. And what do we do when we get there? Well, we're told what to do. We're to enter with thanksgiving and praise. And then it says, give thanks to him. I think this is interesting. The Hebrew word there, give, means to throw, or bobble like this, cast. <laughs> now I think in, for them it probably meant similar to throw, but still. Think about this for a moment. Most of the time when you throw or cast, there is a target in mind. You know, I remember picking up rocks as a kid and, you know, throwing, trying to hit something. In baseball, you're, you're, you're throwing to another player. First base, second base, third base, home plate. Cutoff man. In football, and we watched some of this yesterday, you're throwing to a receiver down the field somewhere. You've got a target. When you're just playing catch, the point is to throw it to the other person playing catch. You've got a target. Even in fishing, when you cast into a lake or a stream, it's not just... No, it's like, I think they're right out there. Right? What's the implication here? When we throw or cast our thanks, we have a target. And that target is God. Yes, the Lord. Give thanks to Him. Praise His name. The word here means to kneel or bless. We are to honor, to pay homage to, to show reverent respect for God. Why? Because His name is above every name. Because there is none like Him, none to whom He can be compared. And everything we have, every good thing we've been blessed with, comes, came, will come from Him. And so, the psalmist says, this is to all the earth. The whom it's about is about the Lord God. Here's what, I, here's, here's what you need to do. Here's the instructions. And here's the reason for the instructions. Number one, his goodness. The Hebrew word means pleasant, agreeable, or delightful. And you know what? That's not always the picture that some have of God. Many see God as stern, impatient, and irritated with us. They picture him as some sort of heavenly policeman with a club in his hand just waiting for us to get out of line so he can... No, he is good. All his ways are good. His commands are for our good. And how often has he been good to us when we have not been good? <clears throat> the second reason for the instructions is his love. It says his love is enduring or everlasting. I think of the song, Your love is amazing, steady and unchanging. Your love is a mountain firm beneath my feet. And we think of mountains 
Now, scripturally, we don't always think of mountains that way because it said, you know, if you have enough faith, you can pray to this mountain, be cast into the sea, and it will be. So maybe they're not, they're not as immovable as we think, but we kind of think of mountains as per- permanent, immovable things. And your love is like that. It's like a mountain firm beneath my feet. And listen, God loves us through thick and thin, good times and bad, when we are far away from Him and when we are near. God loves us. And there's a bracelet that says, and I think, Dan, you might have had some of these, and they, I don't remember who gave them to us. Maybe it was the Allen family, maybe it was someone else. God loves you, always has, always will. His love is forever. And the third reason for these instructions is His faithfulness. And it says that His faithfulness extends to all generations. He has has been faithful to those who preceded us. He is faithful to us. He will be faithful to those who follow us. 2 Timothy 2.13 If we are unfaithful, He remains faithful, for He cannot deny who He is. Faithfulness is such a part of God's character that He cannot be unfaithful. Folks, you can depend on God. Great is thy faithfulness. O God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness. Lord, unto me. We have so, so much to be thankful for. I'm going to take just a few moments this morning before we close. You've heard of popcorn prayers? Have you heard of that? You know, you just kind of, oh, something that's like, oh, God, help me in this moment. And it's, it's not a long, drawn-out thing. It's just you, kind of you throw up a prayer to God. We're going to do some popcorn thanks this morning, okay? Can we do some popcorn thanks? Say yes. Okay. We need, we need more responsive people out here. It's like, well, you're supposed to do all the talking, Pastor. I just sit here and listen. Oh, I hope you sit there and listen. So here's, here's, I just want you to, you know, just one thing. I don't, I want to, I don't want an entire testimony. I'm, because I want lots of people to have an opportunity to do this. So, just one thing, a a popcorn thanks. I'm thankful for. Who's going to start? Judy. I'm thankful for my family. Great. Sally. God got me home Thursday night. Good. George. Thank you. Wesley. Thankful for another day to live. Good. We should be thankful for each day. Yes. Thank you, Debbie. Yes. All right. Ooh. Thankful for what the Lord brings us through. 
his blessings. That's a that's a big bag full. Irene. Hope beyond this life. This isn't all there is, is there? Is it? Better not be, that's right. <laughs> Dan? Jesus. Phyllis? For his faithfulness. I'm thankful for celebrating recovery and reward in my life. Good. Relationships, Ed. Great. It all belongs to God and all come. Unia. Great. Thank you. Jason. I'm thankful for his calling to come to this church every week. Good. I'm thankful for that too. Dean? Salvation. Salvation. Phyllis. All right. Amen. For forgiveness. And sometimes it takes a while for corn to pop, and some of those things pop later. So it's like pop, 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 pop. Marilyn. For his love. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Yep. Safely home. You know, we didn't get it before we had grandkids. Like, what's the big deal? Now we get it. Wesley. All right. That's huge, isn't it? Good one. Oh, Dave, back there in the sound. I forgot the sound booth. That's like my faithful parents. All right. Yes. Curtis. Oh, thank you. Scott. All right. Dan. Great. The family you grew up in, a godly family. Yeah, we can't all say that. Yes, boy, and today? I don't like being told. Yeah. Yep, I've, I've mentioned that to God a number of times in my life, too, because I like to be warm. Yeah. Oh, you got to know who her neighbor is. Jim Rose is her neighbor. We have. Okay, we can. Wesley, did you have something else? 
All right. Um, well, I don't lead songs, but everybody knows this, right? Okay. Uh, just sing the verse. All is lost. Count your many blessings, name them one by one. And you will realize what the Lord has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has gone. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. And that's what we've just been doing, isn't it? Counting our blessings. Let's pray before we go this morning. Father, thank you for this time. You have met with us here. You are faithful to your word where you say, Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I am, my name, I am there with them. And we have sensed your presence. We've enjoyed it today. We have worshipped you. We have expressed our gratitude to you. We have listened if you said, this is what I want you to do in response to my goodness, my love, and my faithfulness. And may we be faithful to do those things. Bless us now as we go with your grace and your peace, I ask in Jesus' name, amen.